0: since you open your Bibles tonight, to, to Luke chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We will be looking at verses 26 through 38 tonight. Good to see you once again in this midweek service. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to continue from what we, where we were at uh, Sunday. And the event described in uh, these verses of Scripture, in verses 26 through 38, is often called the Annunciation, which is a fancy Latin word It means the announcement. And it's a great announcement, uh, even a greater announcement than the one that Zacharias got in the early part, of this chapter, and so I want to entitle this message, The Annunciation, and before we uh, get into it, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most merciful God, we come to you tonight at this midweek service, Lord, uh, coming in your presence, Lord, with your people to look at your word, and Lord, instruct us from your word tonight. Uh, May we be obedient unto your word. And Lord, help me, your unworthy servant, as I read and proclaim it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God in the city of Galilee, named. Nazareth, to a virgin espoused a to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son and her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. These events described in verses 26 through 38 it's about six months after Elizabeth conceives John, which we looked at Sunday, where uh, where Zacharias was shocked uh, when he got this message when he was interceding at the altar of incense, and she conceives this one called John that we know as John the Baptist. And now Gabriel is at work again. As I said Sunday, there had been 400 years of silence, and it was broken when the angel spoke to Zacharias in the temple. God had been silent, had not sent a prophet for 400 years, had not spoken. But now he breaks his silence with Zacharias, and now he's speaking to someone else this time to a young virgin woman or girl named Mary. We don't know exactly how old Mary was. She was probably only in her mid to late teens, most likely. Uh, But God is continuing to break his silence. And I I like how that in this story that we see here in Luke, he did it first with Zechariah, who was an old priest, and now he's doing it with Mary a young woman. Notice the age differences. I just see here that you know what God can use different types of people, whether you're old or whether you're young. Don't ever say I can't be used by God. And this young lady, this young woman was a virgin, never knew a man. And the angel Gabriel greets her by saying, hail. Uh, We don't use that terminology much today, but it's a beautiful term. It doesn't just mean greetings. It means rejoice. And I like that. Rejoice is what it means literally. It is a greeting, but it's a rejoice he's saying to her. That she is highly favored. Thou hast found favor with God, Mary. Uh, this, This is... Similar language that you might find in Genesis six eight, when it says about Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we're seeing God is speaking to a remnant here, first to Zacharias and Elizabeth, and now to Mary. She found she has found grace, found favor with God. Now, the meaning literally here, by the way that says, Mary, that for thou hast found favor with God, is literally full of grace, is what it means. Now, you probably have heard that before. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you and blessed. You know, the Hail Mary that, our, that Roman Catholics use. But the problem, the way they use it is, it does not mean that Mary gives grace. It means that she is the recipient of grace. You see, because the, the problem that they teach, and first of all, you don't pray to, to saints in heaven. Uh, why would you if you're a Christian? Uh, why would you want to? Uh, but it's, it's just, you don't do that. But the whole theology behind that, by the way, is that the saints in heaven have some sort of extra merits to help your prayers get answered. And it takes away from the atonement of Christ. Uh, but Mary is is not the one who gives grace. That's not the meaning here. When it's, If it's literally full of grace is what it means. It means that she is a recipient of God's grace, just as you and I who are believers are recipients of God's grace. It has nothing to do with Mary giving grace to people. And uh, there, similar terminology is used for the saints in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, just one phrase, I'm going to be there real quick, says, to the praise and glory of His grace wherein He hath accepted, has made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, the the similar terminology, we are recipients of God's grace just as Mary was. And that's important uh, to note here. Because uh, Mary is blessed in that God has bestowed grace upon her at this time. And as a recipient of God's grace, he tells her, you know, uh, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Uh, She is favored. Uh, Mary is. Uh, The Lord is with thee. Uh, And she needs to hear this because Look, she was betrothed in marriage to Joseph, which that's something that's, that's, we don't use that terminology today, but that was usually about a year, if I remember right, and it was not, it's similar to an engagement like we have here in the United States, but it was more serious, you were practically, you were, you were, I mean, you were practically not really, you weren't married yet, but you were, it, that was a heavy engagement. To break it was uh, was very serious. But to know that she was going to conceive a child before the official marriage, I mean, that would be kind of scary for a young woman in that day and time. Uh, but she's hearing, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. And she is declared blessed. Blessed art thou among women. And she has been chosen for by God for this glorious task. No other woman in history has been blessed with this. And, and so uh, uh, so she is blessed greatly here when the angel is declaring this. And then he goes into the announcement or the annunciation as we often um uh, stated, you know, when when she heard this, she was troubled. And so would you or I at this saying, what's going on here? You know, what manner of salutation is this? Well, just like he said to Zacharias, he says to Mary, fear not. Fear not. It's always good, isn't it? Thou hast found favor with God. Uh, and then she she hears these words, Behold, you shall conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Though she is a virgin, betrothed in marriage, she is told, You're going to have a son. Uh, a virgin conception. Uh, we often don't hear that terminology, the virgin conception. You'll know, hear the virgin birth, but this is Miraculous. Miraculous in itself, uh, that uh, th- you know that, and, and this is, by the way, as a reminder that the Lord Jesus is, while He is perfect God, He is also perfect man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that He receives His body from Mary. You know, there was a, a heresy uh, back in the 1500s during the Protestant Reformation that some of the Anabaptists were saying. Uh, that that Mary, that Jesus did not receive His body from Mary; that it just was miraculously put in there. But uh, while we don't understand that, Scripture tells us in Galatians four four that He is made of a woman; that He receives His body from Mary. And that's very important because that that is He identifies with us. He is fully human, yet He did not receive His mother's sin nature. Uh, That is the great miracle uh, of this virgin conception uh, that Jesus is God and man. And of course, she is to name him Jesus, which means Yahweh or Jehovah is salvation. And I thought I like the terminology, you know, last Sunday, we saw that John, his name means Yahweh or Jehovah has shown grace Jesus name means Yahweh is salvation John points to Jesus who is salvation he is he, his name means grace Yahweh has shown grace and here Jesus means Yahweh is salvation in him is salvation and no other my friends and then he, he's, he tells her in verse 32 that he's going to be great. The son of the highest and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. Now Mary, being a Jew, would have understood this, what the angel is telling her. he For he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. She now knows what he's saying. This is the Messiah. You're going to conceive the Messiah. You're going to conceive the one It was prophesied in the Old Testament. We go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I know Brother Gary covered this in in, uh, his study, but I want us to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. And this promise that God made to David. God told David here in 2nd Samuel 7 verse 12 and when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers i will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and i will establish his kingdom he shall build an house for my name and i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever i will be his father and he shall be my son if he commit a di- uh, iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever forever. Notice verse 16 how similar it is to what was said to Mary. He shall reign over the house of, of his father Jacob forever. Forever. And David was told this, uh, that unlike Saul who God took away because of his unfaithfulness, he's not going to take away the kingdom from you. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 33 And verse 17 also emphasizes this in Jeremiah chapter 33. In verse 17, Jeremiah wrote, For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want or never lack a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. So, uh, uh, he will never won't. He will not lack. And we come back to, to Luke 33 uh, where uh, he was told that he will give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Uh, so Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the Messiah. This child in your womb. This is what is being told to her by the angel. Now, when Mary hears this, uh, she's got some questions. <laughs> uh, she's got some questions here. Now, he is. This is the Messiah that is in your womb, and Mary. You go to verse uh, thirty-four. She says, how shall this be since I know not a man? Now, remember Zacharias asked the question. You go back, uh, let's go back to his question. Uh, verse 18, he, when he was told that, you know, y'all are going to have a child, John, he says, where shall I know this? He says, for I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. And, he, and his was said... In unbelief, even though he was a great man of faith, he had a he. He says, "Wait a minute! I don't know about this. I don't man, I, I mean this can't happen." But Mary's question is said in faith. Zacharias was doubting. Mary, we see here, says it with faith, not doubting uh, the word of God. She just doesn't know how it's going to happen. She doesn't doubt this. This is going to happen. She just doesn't understand how it is because she's a virgin. She is asking in faith before God. And God is pleased, my friends, when, with faith. Faith is what pleases God. Uh, it's an, uh, an example that we walk by faith and not by sight. And then he tells her that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. Uh... The power of the high shall overshadow thee. Notice the terminology. Uh, this terminology reminds me very similar, I believe, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 in the dedication of the temple. Verses 1 and 2. It says, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. There during Solomon's time, God's glory, his power, the Holy Spirit came and filled the temple that he had built but now something even greater my friends is happening god the glory of god is coming upon a young woman and it's dis- going to descend upon her and god would come and there she would bear conceive a child philippians chapter 2 Verses five through seven It says this Paul does Let this mind be in you which also was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. was made in the likeness of man. Notice what it says about God the Son. He made of Himself of no reputation. He took upon Him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man. Now here's something I don't understand. It's it's amazing grace is all you can say. God the Son becomes an embryo in the womb of a mother is that hard to understand that's impossible but it happened he became a embryo a fetus uh, he set aside his glory yet there in Mary's womb he is still very much God as he is man there is the Messiah and the Holy One conceived in her will be called the Son of God. The term Son of God is different from Messiah. Messiah means he is the fulfillment of the, of the, the prophecies of the Old Testament, he is the heir to David's throne. Look, even Muslims today accept Jesus as Messiah. Did you know that? There's every Muslim, orthodox Muslim, will say Jesus is the Messiah, but what they will not say is He's the Son of God, uh, because they cannot accept the fact that God became flesh, and that's what the term incarnation means. It means became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John chapter one verse fourteen. Uh, the Son of God, I, I once had a conversation with a man who, who wanted to say that Jesus is not God, he's just the Son of God. Well, what, is, what do you mean when you say Son of God? See, that don't make no sense. Well, he's just Son of God. What does that mean? Well, he's son of God. You know, well, what is the Son of a Duck? Let me use some illustration dear. is Son of a Duck? It's a duck. It's a terminology to help us understand that Jesus is God. Even Jesus' enemies understood this. In John chapter five, verses seventeen and eighteen. In John chapter five, verses seventeen and eighteen, uh, when Jesus was, well, I'll just read the words. But Jesus answered them, "My Father worketh here too, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because." he not only had broken the sabbath, but said also that God was his his father, making himself equal with God. They understood what he he meant when God was his father, that he was the son of God, that he made himself equal with God, declaring himself to be God. Uh, If you ever read the early history of Christianity after after the New Testament is finished, and you see a little bit of this in in John's later writings, where there was people who were denying that Jesus had come in the flesh, and you had, or, or that he was uh, not a, he wasn't God, or he was just a spirit. Uh, you had the Gnostic heresy, and I'm not going to get into all that. And the Arian heresy that Jesus was not fully God, or he wasn't, he was lower than God, uh, uh, and uh, this was a major problem and, uh, and the, one of the great creeds, uh, maybe the gr- greatest creed uh, outside the Bible, the uh, Nicene Creed in the fourth century, they had a church council met to refute this teaching that Jesus that, that was denying the deity of Jesus Christ. And I just want to re- read what they wrote. of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Now that's orthodox teaching on who Jesus is, declaring it. And uh, look, when we when we talk about Christmas uh, and Christians have been celebrating since the third century, uh, R.C. Sproul correctly defines what the celebration of Christmas, we're talking about not necessarily Walmart Christmas like we have, but what it traditionally Men. It's not necessarily even specifically about the birth. Well, it is about the birth of Christ, but it's much deeper. This is what R.C. Sproul says, what we celebrate at Christmas is not so much the birth of a baby, as important as that is, but, and, but what's so significant about the birth of that particular baby is that in this birth, we have the incarnation of God himself. The enfleshment of God. God taking on flesh. It's not some little sentimental little uh, little thing about a cute little baby boy. It's about God is taking on flesh. That's amazing. As Martin Luther stated, deity and humanity were united in one person. Now Mary's response to all this is uh, just... Uh, just magnificent, by the way. Just one of the greatest responses in the Bible. Uh, but, well, let me before I get there. After he told told Mary this, he he remind, he told her about her cousin Elizabeth is also conceived a son in her old age. It's a sixth month with her, and she was called barren. nobody said she could have a child. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Look, there's a lot of things that I can't understand. But with God, nothing is impossible. Always remember that. Even a virgin conception and a virgin birth. And what did Mary say verse 38? And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And that term, behold the handmaid of the Lord, means... I am the servant of the Lord. I am the Lord's servant, or I am the Lord's slave. That's a great statement of faith. No arguing. Look, you've seen some saints before in the Bible who argue with the Lord. I don't know about this. Mary didn't argue. She said, "I am the Lord's servant." Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Isaiah six, when Isaiah heard God asked whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am I, send me. Mm-hmm. Mary said, Humbly, I am the Lord's servant. Mm-hmm. What a... She didn't give excuses or argue. She willingly submitted to God's purpose first, And a great example for us as believers to follow every day, by the way. To always remember when when you want to get mad at somebody when they irritated you, you might want to say, I'm the Lord's servant. <laughs> I'm God's servant. I'm going to submit to what the Word of God says. You know, that, you know, don't give in to my sin. Don't give in to temptation. Mary was submitting to the Word of God. That's what we should remember. Uh, that she was submitting to God's purpose for her to be the vessel in which God the Son would come into this world, and we should all, my friends, always be obedient to God's word each and every day. It, it just studying this uh, reminded me. There's times when you know I want what's best for me, and I want to go against God's word. Oh, my friends, we should remember this when we're facing temptation. Mm-hmm. I'm the Lord's servant. Gabriel, in a little over six months' time, had announced a, for, number one a herald or a forerunner for the Messiah, John the Baptist, and here, he a little oh, probably a little over six months later, six months after Elizabeth had uh, conceived. Who would prepare, He announced the, who would prepare the way. Um, not, I mean, who John the Baptist was preparing the way for. The Messiah. The Son of God. Uh, I want to close with this quote uh, by Charles Wesley from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And one of my favorite quotes, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity in his conception in the womb of the virgin mary he was veiled in the flesh but he was god there hail the incarnate deity god the son enfleshed himself he was conceived in mary's womb Uh, it is true that my friends we preach an incarnation theology God became flesh in order to die for our sins upon the cross. It all points to the cross. Let's always remember that. Even here in Luke chapter 1. Uh, like Mary, every one of us, maybe not exactly like her, but we have all are recipients of God's grace. And we should always, every day, be thankful for that. Not just during Christmas, but each and every day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for, for Lord, that, that you have shown your grace to us. Though we don't deserve it, Lord, you have shown grace. We are all recipients of your grace. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for any here tonight who may not know Christ, that even now you may convict them and of their need of salvation. And help us each and every day to say, as Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, and to be obedient unto the word of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.